what we do here is go back, 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 back. Squad, the internet's freshest Twilight Zone podcast in which six college students and one former college student take you through the internet cult classic TV show, The Twilight Zone. As always, I am your host, uh, Charles Stiles, Mystery Diner, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ashley, not Ashley, Charles Stiles. Charles Stiles from the Company Mystery Diners. Charles Stiles. Hi, I'm Charles Stiles from the Company Mystery Diners. Joined by two guests, one from last week. Am I Charles Stiles? <laughs> and a new one. Uh, no, I was going to say replacing tabs, but that's not true. Replacing tabs. <laughs> replacing tabs. Uh, joining us for tonight, our fourth roommate. Hi, I'm also Charles Stiles. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We've been watching a lot of Mystery Diners. No, we, we watched one video on Mystery Diners. That's I've enough. But we heard, but we heard, hi, I'm Charles Stiles more times than I ever want. Which is one, but more than one. My name's Charles Stiles with a company called Mystery Diners. On a realistic note, I'm Ben. Let's run through this a little quicker. Ashley. Jamie. Connor. Jeff. Joined by uh, last week's guest. Jared. And new guest, our dear friend and roommate. Uh, David. You have to ask him the questions. Yes, we have three questions for you. Oh, yeah. Okay. We have, uh, what's your major, what's the second one? What's your favorite Twilight Zone? What's your favorite Twilight Zone episode, and what's your favorite ice cream flavor? This started being the most important. All right, David. Hit, it, hit us with it. Um, well, I'm a bio major. Uh, I've only ever watched two episodes of the Twilight Zone, so I can't say I have a favorite. And my favorite ice cream flavor would be party cake. Good choice. Yeah, I, fin- I finished off the party cake at Upper Deck tonight. Oh, that was you? I was not ready for that. Quickly before we jump into how is everyone's week, it is time for our season two ending uh, analytics little special. I do this a lot every week, but we got this time it's special. We got <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, a new uh, a new kind of winner for how many tens we've given out. I, after last week's episode, have risen to the top with three tens, while Ash and Connor sit behind me at two, and Tabitha sits at one. Corey and Jamie still both at zero. Maybe not after tonight. Spoilers, I already know that it's not going to be after tonight, but you won't know until the end. <laughs> H. Uh, and the other thing, I compiled a list of all 14 episodes we've covered at the time of this recording. I've not got around to editing our episode 15 and putting that up there. But our highest three rated episodes, number three, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, an 8.5 out of 10. That was a pre-Jamie episode. Two, The Man in the Bottle, an 8.83 out of 10. And one, A Passage for Trumpet, with a 9.1 out of 10. Wow. And then our bottom three episodes at Number 12, The Mind and the Matter, at a 6.2. 13, A Mute, at a 4.4. And 14, I Am the Night, Color Me Black, at a 2.9. So, uh, yeah, those are our top three and bottom three, respectively. Wait, I Am the Night, Color Me Black wasn't one of, like, the bottom ten, was it? 
No, I don't think so. I think it was like lower half. It was pretty low, but it wasn't bottom ten. Interesting. It's it's pretty low though. Uh, if I'm wrong, tell me <laughs> in the comment section. You, I'm sure our loyal listeners have our uh, scores memorized. Yep. It's on it's on the website, so I can look in a bit. Anyway, now that that's out of the way, how was everybody's week? It's only been really only three days since we last convened. Oh, what maybe maybe four. <laughs> yeah, lots happened. Five for us at least. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys have had a busy week. I have been just studying for finals. That's about it out of me. Uh, you got to meet the queen. Ooh, oh, that's true. Ooh. Hold on. Yeah, Corey take it away. Queen too. So, no, uh, <laughs> I met the queen. So Ashley has this pup. Her name is Scout. She is my new girlfriend. I have been wanting to meet this girl for like a year, and I finally did, and she did not disappoint. No Scout, incredible. With Ashley's permission, I'm gonna take her to prom. My my dog in college. Yeah. You got a problem? Scout Scout does not enjoy wearing dresses, so she might show up nude if that's okay. I got the job that I was talking about. Yeah, so I will be working as a environmental educator, uh, working for like the Delaware Watershed Committee, and yeah. letting him work with kids. Oof. Ben has always worked with kids. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. You were going to do great. He runs this I, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, he lives with me. So I told I told my former boss about this, or not my former, my future boss about this so she could do soon to be former boss <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, we'll give it give it time i give it a month but uh yeah so the the big main event is uh not with me but over in this general direction <laughs> good good words to use on a podcast <laughs> i did i did not meet scout even though i could have well i couldn't have but i was uh i was performing in a concert this weekend i did two Concerts on Saturday, performing uh, major work, Carmina Burana by Carl Orff. So I was on stage singing for an hour. It was a fun time. That's it's not in choir anymore. It's also a fun time. <laughs> but no, it was a good way to end it, and it was a good way for like to wrap up the semester. But uh, the big one is with uh, Jared and Jamie. Well, let's see. Before we get to them, David. Oh, also, yeah, also, I performed with David, too. Yeah, David, David was there, too. Yeah, I actually had a pretty eventful weekend. And then Saturday, just like Hunter, I was also performed in the Carmina Barana with the Men's Glee Club. And then on Sunday, we had our end-of-the-year banquet. Nice. Oh, that's so. so awesome. That's great. And finally, the main event, the the Zenkai... Zenkai Khan. Budokai, Dragon Ball Z. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Zenkai Khan. Yeah, Jared and I went to uh, Zenkai Khan, which is an anime and sci-fi convention um, in Lancaster. It's pretty... It's smaller than, like, Otakon, but it's pretty large. It's like, they get a couple thousand people. That's not yeah. bad. Wow. Um, we, we got to pet a corgi, the cosplay Aww. corgi, to be specific, and <laughs> he was a doll. He was amazing. Um, and then... We actually got on the main stage for, nice. like, one of the game show. They do, like, um, game show panels where, like, it was supposed to be the voice actresses. Um, they had two voice actresses from Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, uh, Sarah Weidenheft, and mm-hmm. who plays Toru, and uh, Jade Saxton, mm-hmm. who plays Kana. Jared was dressed up as Kana, so 
he got on Jade's team, and then I got on Sarah's team, and we went against each other. We played Chain Reaction. I won. <laughs> we won the second round. So is there any uh, Twilight Zone panels at the sci-fi? There wasn't, but I gave a mention. Hey! To wow. Yeah, she, she gave a shout-out when we yeah. went up for the game show. They were like, what are you doing? And were like, she was like, I do a podcast. And I was like, I... Talk about video games and <laughs> play video games because I'm a loser. <laughs> and just like that, the Rod Squad has gone from 13th most popular to 12th. <laughs> yeah. I didn't actually write a joke for this one. I've been what? A what? If we finals. were a joke, we wouldn't be. But one. I can try and come up with one on the spot. <laughs> you don't usual. just do that already? No, no I, I think about it. They're bad enough. I thought they were. If we were monsters. We would be ourselves. If we were a street, we would be race street. Because you can't wait until this is over. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean it like that. I'm <laughs> With that out of the way, tonight we are watching a season one episode, one of our heavy hitters. The monsters are due on Maple Street. It's season one. You can check it out on Hulu, Netflix. Maybe still Amazon Prime. I'm lazy, so I've never bothered to check. The DVD, the DVD box set. set. Or <laughs> illegal sources we don't condone or know about. We're ready for Rod to take us in. So without further ado, let's get it kicking. This is Maple Street on a late Saturday afternoon. Maple Street. In the last calm and reflective moment. Before the monsters came. Maple Street is full of children playing and adults talking when a shadow passes over, accompanied by a roar of f and a flash of light. This is all from Wikipedia. I'm not original. Uh, the residents soon discover that their power went off, affecting stoves, lawnmowers, cars, and phones. So we have really this whole kind of this whole kind of dynamic where a UFO or a other kind of flying object. Flies over and scares a bunch of middle-aged white people. And all their power is gone, so they're like, oh boy, instead of, you know, like, trying to the just wait it out, out, they were like, ha, ah, we're scared. <laughs> like any, like any group of, uh, suburban neighbors, and instead of just sitting in their homes waiting for it to end, they all gather in the street and discuss the situation. Uh, one of the... One of the neighbors, a man by the name of Pete Van Horn, volunteers to walk over to F Floral Street, Floral which Street. is right next to Maple Street. Maple Street's a normal street name. Floral Street? I feel like that's Floral really Street? Common. That's not that far out of the road. Did they say Floral or Laurel? Floral. Like, flowers. Oh. Okay. I've seen yeah. some weird street names. Mm -hmm. I live I My this favorite is, is A Street. Hold on, because that might be our question of the week. Oh, Ooh, no. Yeah, oh, I'm trying to actually entertain you guys for once instead of... It's not about riots or something? No. What is your favorite riot? What's your favorite riot? about riot? mob mentality? <laughs> <laughs> what is the best riot? List them in My order. Riot is riot games. His neighbor, Steve Brand, decides to go into town, but of course the child named Tommy... A local urchin. Mm. I always like calling kids urchins. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's actually true. Tommy is. Tommy drives yeah. his entire plot. Yeah, a local Just like rascal. A certain urchin. Other Tommy we know. 
Tommy Wiseau. Oh, oh Mark. Urges him not to leave the street. You see, this little Tommy boy has read a story of alien invasion in his pulp Ooh. magazines, his comic books. <laughs> God, the com just them like talking about comic books like they were like X-rated pictures <laughs> on this thing was hilarious. Yeah. Comic books are the devil of society. Look what they look what they did to our poor neighbors on Maple Street. Well, more on that later. <laughs> Tommy Tommy has read a story about alien invasions causing a uh, a similar controversy which of course is that when they try to leave they never make it or there's some sort of force field that blocks them. He doesn't really go into it. It's just the point that they cannot go to another street. Furthermore, in the story, the aliens come down years ahead and live as a, a family trying to be human. And this is all what Tommy is saying like, yeah. to them when they're like, he goes, I know what's wrong with it, This what's going on, and this is his explanation, just in case. Yeah, so it's very far-fetched, but you can start to see it take its toll on the, uh, the group. Another resident, Les Goodman, tries unsuccessfully to start his car... But when he gets out and uh, walks back to the other residents, the car starts on his own. Instead of everybody going, wow, how did that happen? Which would be the normal thing to do. This happens. How come his car just up and started like that? All by itself. He wasn't anywhere near it. It just started all by itself. He never did come out to look at that thing that flew overhead. He wasn't even interested. He always was an oddball. Him and his whole family. Real oddball. And why didn't he come out with the rest of us to look? What do you say we go ask him? After the end of uh, that whole set of shenanigans, the town the town begins fighting and, you know, kind of kind of being like, well, that's kind of strange. Maybe, uh, maybe that he's the alien, as suggested by Tommy's story. Later, one woman brings up how he spends most nights looking up into the sky in the garden. <laughs> Les, trying to defend himself, tells everyone he's an insomniac, which is a totally fine claim. But in this moment of kind of a witch hunt, they all, they all start moving towards him. Babyface Steve, shout out to my dad Steve, tries to uh, defuse the situation and tell everyone to relax. Of course, uh, doing that makes you number, target number two, so this happens. With Steve, till we get this all straightened out, you ain't exactly above suspicion yourself. Are you, Charlie? Or any of us, it seems, from age eight on up. What I want to know is what are we going to do? Just stand around here all night? There's nothing else we can do. One of them will tip their hand, they got to. There's something you can do, Charlie. You can go inside and keep your mouth shut. At this point, the whole town is falling apart. Uh, darkness has descended. Panic is at an all-time high. And when they hear someone walking towards him, a slow, very ominous, creepy set of steps, Charlie panics, <laughs> grabs a shotgun, and just goes... Into into the crowd. Not the crowd. The crowd. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Sure. No, that's, that's, a little, <laughs> that's a little... That's a little... Typical, topical. Uh, he shoots the figure thinking it's an alien. When they reach it, they find out it's Pete Van Horn all along. And I think that the actor playing Charlie gives a pretty good performance uh, trying to trying to uh, justify what he's just done. Let's listen to that right now. It's Pete Van Horn. Pete Van Horn. 
Well, he was just going over to the next block to see if the power was on. Charlie, you killed him. He's dead. I didn't know who he was. I most certainly didn't know who he was. Well, he came out of the darkness. How was I supposed to know who he was? Steve? You know why I shot him. How was I supposed to know he wasn't a monster or something? After Charlie struggles to uh, defend his action, the neighbors all kind of gang up on uh, him. That, uh, that he shot Pete because Pete discovered that he was an alien and was going to come warn them. Uh, jumping from just chasing him around and throwing verbal insults at him to a whole new level, they begin to chuck stones at him, and one smacks him right in the noggin, and then a bunch of like really thick, fake blood comes out. It kind of looks like paint. I don't know. I, th I think it was actually the chandelier. Yeah, the, the chandelier. chandelier the light flash. above his head. Oh, that's what caught that, him. That, that, that hit that. The rock hit that, and the glass cut him. Even Steve is too angry about Charlie's uh, Charlie murdering Pete in cold blood to defend him. Uh, Charlie begins to throw suspicions onto Tommy. A bunch of people agree, and they think it's Tommy because he was the only one that knew about the alien's plan. So, the whole town is in... A I guess it's not a town. The whole street is in absolute disarray. Uh, there's uh, gunshots uh, exploding into the night. Large mobs teaming up on people. And we get... A really kind of neato Marvel Cinematic Universe a jump shot, like a post-credit scene to the episode, where we have our giant twist, which is understand the procedure now. Just stop a few of their machines and radios and telephones and lawnmowers. Throw them into darkness for a few hours and then sit back and watch the pattern. And this pattern is always the same? With few variations. They pick the most dangerous enemy they can find. And it's themselves. They were aliens all along! Ooh. The tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices to be found only in the minds of men. For the record, prejudices can kill, and suspicion can destroy, and a thoughtless, frightened search for a scapegoat has a fallout all of its own, for the children, and the children yet unborn. And the pity of it is, that these things cannot be confined to the twilight zone. But moving on to general thoughts, your thoughts, but generalized. First of my four themes, uh, modern xenophobia, the plight of living in a post 9-11 world. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that... Wow, this, in, is like a, this is like a thesis right now. <laughs> I was thinking that in today's world, uh, what you could connect this episode to now instead of what clearly was about the communists back in 1959-1960 when the episode dropped is the large Muslim slash immigrant slash Latino anybody that uh, people here are not Muslim fond of. I would yeah. say Muslim and especially with 
like the last election cycle not to get like political just with like the mexican population really i drew some comparisons to kind of looking at the muslim population after the rise of terrorism and uh how at least the rise of terrorism in the modern millennia and how people kind of look at them well i think if you you look at like a general sense all through human history we kind of always have this us versus them mentality and it's just a natural like survival instinct that humans have not saying it's a good one but um i think this is one of those episodes that no matter what decade or time period that you're watching it it's applicable to something going on currently at the time where people you know they're scared of what is different and in this aspect to an extreme it's like they kill people because of it but like um going on what ash said i think it did a really good job of showing how easy it is to jump to those conclusions and how easy it is to you know base assumptions and make accusations based on like the littlest detail that could have like nothing to do with um the situation at hand but you're kind of looking for something to project your fears on so that you can like confront those yeah that's a pretty open and shut one. I mean, that's yeah. yeah. xenophobia. The slow burn, great horror is because of great pacing. I wanted to talk about how incredible the pacing was of this episode and how. Okay, I Where, think this. Can I just ask a question? Yes. Where was the horror? For the 1950s? Yeah, that's pretty... That's that was that's, probably pretty tense. That is a very like frightening television. Especially for... Social horror. horror. Because they don't know what's going scary. on. Well, it's like... It's like it's the psychological fear. horror. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's like the movie The Mist, where, like, they don't know what's going on, but they know it's bad. Yeah. And they, they're not sure what to do. It's, it's essentially just psychological horror. It's a very... I think it's, like, the most mild form of horror. It, it's also, like, you have to take it in context of the times. Yeah. Of, and the fact that it was a TV show, not a movie. Exactly, yes. exactly. Some of those shots still hold up today as kind of suspenseful, even mildly frightening shots. Suspenseful, sure. I think as a young child, it would be... I mean, look, not a lot scares me anymore. Just, you know... <laughs> well, funny. I'm not... That's <laughs> funny. Okay, but, you know, like, I can watch a horror movie and be frightened, but, like, go home and not have it stay with me. That's but fair. That's fair. I get the same feelings from some of those shots as I do from watching a horror movie in theaters. Like, of course I won't... I won't care about it in about a day or two. Or it won't have the same effect on me, but in the moment, it worked. In terms of, like, comparing it objectively, like, without regards to the time period, it's nothing even close to, like, to, like, Silence of the Lambs or anything. Some of the really great right. psychological horror that's been done out there. But, but like, for the time, it's, for the time, it's, it was very excellently done, and they did a lot, because, like, this is the first season. They don't. I don't think they really. They were just running on. I mean, CBS didn't trust them yet. They yeah, were, exactly. That's what I. That's what I mean. This was like a. This was just a hail mary, and wherever it ended up, it ended up. They had. They had some backing because they were pretty deep into the season. And it's really, it's really like clever to watch it because uh, I. This was actually the first episode of Twilight Zone I'd ever seen way back, like freshman year of high school. And watching it a second time, it gives me like a new perspective of like what's going on. But like, even if even if you were watching it the first time, you're like makes you really invested, and it's not like at this in this day and age, it's not going to scare you. But 
But in a time when, in a time when, Psycho was the scariest movie that's ever been made. It still holds up too. Psycho yeah. is still it, a it's good not, movie. Okay, like it's not like if I see a horror movie that doesn't scare me, like I'll still recognize that it's a horror movie. This was definitely horror. I still see it. I also want to disagree with your point. I do not. Th- I think psychological horror can be one of the most frightening kinds of horror. But I think mm-hmm. it can also be the most mildest. Mm-hmm. I think that your typical boring hack and slash. I think any but movie. Can this, I think this one's a matter yeah. of opinion. Exactly. Yeah, because everybody takes those right. things differently. Yeah. But I just. I think the Blair Witch is a psychological horror movie, and that's widely regarded as one of the most scariest movies of all time. That's fair. And just in recently, uh, it comes at night, which I think is an ingenious <laughs> film. Uh, is a psychological horror movie um, that uh, I think is very frightening. A Quiet Place does a better job, I think, than It Comes at Night. I don't think A Quiet Place is psychological uh, horror, though. A little bit. I th- yeah, I mean, it's really a matter of opinion, but... Yeah. I, just, I, uh, I, I just thought the, the It Comes only, at Night was a little too artsy. I think the only psychological horror game... Um, I really have a close encounter with is Doki Doki Literature. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a bunch of like surreal horror too. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very surrealist game. The closest thing I probably have is Legend Twilight Princess. <laughs> <laughs> Don't knock it. There's some stuff in there that's frightening. Uh, yeah. Have you played Majora's Mask? Yeah, yeah that's that's that one's horrifying. Just like, no, no. Twilight Princess. Twilight Princess does have the no. It has the the Yetis. Yeah, that's the Yeti, the Yeti woman. Oh yeah, she, that was actually she, really freaky. That freaked me out. Honestly, like I, for me, the pacing of this is the biggest flaw for me. Really? Yeah, because I feel like this would have been better elongated for for like a movie adaptation or yeah. something like that. And I told I told Jamie this earlier because there are so many times. And it's been kind of hinted at, like, they take such leaps of logic that right. just... I understand the the fear and tenseness of that situation, but even with that, it feels, like, so... Like, they go from, like, oh, well, your car... Like, you mentioned, like, oh, your car suddenly turned on. Instead of being, like, that's really weird, they were, like, you're an alien because yeah. of what this kid said. And it's, like, that's such a jump. I agree. And I think, yeah. like, the overall plot of it is super clever and great but there are times that because of time constraints they were forced to make some pretty strong jumps in logic that I was just like this is kind of taking me out of it I agree with that one of the big complaints about a lot of Twilight Zone episodes is that they're too fast paced Mm -hmm. and ironically once you get to season 4 which are all hour long episodes the biggest complaint with that season is it's too long paced they had to put too much filler in so uh, you know some of these episodes really hit a sweet spot in my opinion, this one does, but a, a whole majority of the show, just because of time constraints and uh, kind of the wacky stuff they were doing in the late fifties, early to mid sixties, just did not uh, never really hit its hit its stride the way that it wanted to. But yeah, I just I thought a lot of the techniques they used for the pacing was very very modernist, like the the shots of the feet walking and the, and the, the cinematography yeah, yeah. Cinema, the cinematography yes. was good I like, 100% agree with that mm-hmm. I, I talk I know like I'm I'm, I'm pretty cliche okay. about this but okay. not the cinematography that's that's just a gross cliche but in all the episodes that I really really enjoy and a few that I don't I I usually talk about 
how how modern it, it feels. Like when we one of the examples that I didn't like was Return to Death's Hand head not Dachau. hand Dachau Death's Head. But um or was it Death's Head Revisited? I don't know why I'm having like a Bernstein they Bernstein were like, moment. It's, no, a, they were, it's a both thing. Yeah. It's like a colon. Yeah. Well, you never, you never, you like, whenever you say it, you always say Death's Hand, you never actually say it. Yeah, I don't there's know. There's a hand and there's Death. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't like that episode, but I thought a lot of the techniques in it was were very modern as well. But I think one of the strengths of this episode is being really before its time. Which usually hurts projects too. Like, there's a ton of movies that are great now, but are terrible back then. All right, uh, what is this? Oh, the ego, the super ego, and the id. How characters, character archetypes can be powerful but basic. I thought this episode had a very clear cut super ego, ego, and id in our I three main characters. I need no cycle. So the Encyclopedia Ben. Uh, I'm I'm basing this off eighth grade English class when I read Lord of the Fry Flies. That's when we all go to a to a oh, get God. locked in a fast food restaurant. Some, what was that? Oh, somebody, somebody call Aqua Teen Hunger Force because they need to make that episode. <laughs> um, the id is usually driven by like his own kind of his. I mean, it's all it's all just character archetypes. So the id is the main bad guy. He's well, yes, but it's a psychological. I took a psychology yeah, she's class. More, she's smarter than I am. I am not smarter than you. I just took a psychology class <laughs> in high school, and it's based on like what you desire. Each it's like psychologically, you have supposedly. I think the, I forget what psychologist came up Freud. with this. It was Freud. It was Freud. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, like, you each have these, and they, they fulfill your needs, and sometimes if you let, like, one in control, it can lead to bad character types, but it's just your wants are more desires than actual needs, if that makes sense. Right. All so, right. I, I thought Charlie was definitely the id. Charlie's the guy what, who shoots the is, guy, right? What is, any, what is yes. the id? That well, the id is, is, con, is what we would consider the bad guy, but... The one who he he kind of is the first one to jump to all the conclusions. Yeah. He he's he's the one that finds people to blame he's because it fulfills his, his need of what is going on and like having to fulfill that and okay. not not getting the blame on him. Like he wants to be able to put it away and point a finger and, and be really, yeah yeah. Oh, and he wants to be in okay. charge as well. At least from my Lord of the Flies remembrance, the uh, the in that novel had a had a, a very which is weird because it's kids, but something that's really akin to like a, a power kink like they needed to be in power um I thought the ego was the guy who got accused first uh and he at, at the start wanted to defuse the situation because they were pointing at him but as soon as he as soon as he was part of the mom mentality he uh he was after everybody else and that the, the ego is kind of the middle ground and then I thought the Steve was the super ego because and he was even kind of hitting kind of at the ego at the end because he fell into madness too. But throughout most of the episode, he was the super ego because he all he wanted to do was defuse the situation, have everyone go home, and just wait it out. And that's like the good part of your right. Well, the my logical understanding is your it's like your ego is the conscious part of yourself, mm-hmm. and then like your subconscious being the super ego in the end. Yeah, it's like your most basic desires, yes. your primal urges. Yeah. yeah. And super ego would more or less be your consciousness. Like okay. your sense of right and wrong, so okay, that makes that makes a lot more sense. I just took a psychology class. Karate <laughs> <laughs> squad. Basically, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I thought even with these super basic, you know, like you know something you something you can 
it's easy to Google and you don't have to read 18 Freud books to get through. Uh, oh, Freud. <laughs> I thought you can create a really great story with very basic character types. Yeah. And for my last one... Cinematography. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. We can already touch base well, on that one. Well, the power of what you don't see. Mm-hmm. This episode, at the end, kind of spoils spoils what it had, which is uh, reflective of my score. We'll get hit on that later on. But uh, you do not see the bad guy for the majority of this movie. Or, not movie. The episode. The episode and, you know, there is no... There is no bad guy. It's just weird occurrences. Say, arguably, yeah, you see the bad guys the entire episode. Right. But uh, I think not knowing makes <laughs> makes the episode ten times scarier than if at the beginning Rod was like, an alien just landed. <laughs> He's conducting experiments. Let's tune in. Well, that in that sense, it's <laughs> a... Uh, radios. In that sense, it's like, it's a classic Twilight episode. There's, yeah. you, there's stuff going on that's like unexplainable and uh and and at the end the twist is revealed and you couldn't and um you might have not been able to tell what it is but like they didn't really hint too much at it well and it also and then it also has the big social commentary thing like in per in in context of the time period with the with the big red scare thing which is like what everybody knows this episode for it's like it's, it's like this I, how many of us have seen this like from like an English class or something? Yes, yeah, uh, that's one, two, three, I mean, like three. I've, three I've seen, yeah, I've seen, seen the episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've this, seen, I've seen very familiar stories. So, okay. I mean, I've had oh, the same yeah. kind of lesson. Yeah. But three of us have seen this, myself included, have seen this exact episode in mm-hmm. an English class. It feels like it was almost written right with like an English class in mind type thing, which is it's really. It wasn't, but it's a really good example of a lot of, like, of a lot of concepts that can be, like, that you can put a lot of thought into, which I think is really good. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, uh, some of the best and our favorite Twilight Zone so far, let's see, uh, Occurrence at Owl Creek is a good example, Five Characters in Search of an Exit, even arguably maybe A Passage for Trumpet. The whole episode, you have no idea, like, you don't know what's happening. You know, you get a basic grasp on the story, but things get progressively weirder and weirder, and you don't know why. And that and that big reveal adds a lot, but also not knowing makes a story. While the episodes we all hated, I Am the Night, Color Me Black comes to mind, uh, Mute, and uh, I don't know, maybe... I, I don't know right now off the top of my head, but with those, like, we knew from the get-go that, oh, and Mute, she has superpowers great like what is what is the resolve here and i am the night color me black uh like the whole episode is just oh the sun is not coming back out so what you know there's no there's no real like suspense about those things even last week's episode which i think most of us enjoyed for the wrong reason for the for the right for wrong. just the satire almost of it yeah like it had the same thing. We knew from the beginning, kind of like yeah, the what, what was going on to an extent. We didn't we didn't we didn't know the entirety of it, but we had enough of a gist to kind of. It wasn't a twist. Yeah. It was more yeah. just like growing. Yeah, yeah, and and like they and they revealed what the the twist was like halfway through the episode, and there was more after that. It's like 
I like when it's the the slow burn, the slow build throughout the episode, and the last thing you get is what's actually going yeah to the happen. payoff. Yeah. And there are great episodes that yeah. have the great slow burn, and the payoff is terrible. And then, like just last night, we watched uh, the latest WWE event, Oof. and AJ, <laughs> AJ Styles Oof. and Shinsuke Nakamura wrestled a, like a classic match for them. Incredible. And this was this whole slow burn, and the story's been going forever, and they were really duking it out, and it ended with a. A double knockout, which is such a in a no disqualification match, which a already doesn't make sense. But um, like it's just it's such a dumb finish, and it's just such a letdown that it ruined the whole match for us. We uh, we all talked about how much we hated it, and it was a kill. It was a buzz kill for the whole night because we didn't like the other matches either. It also goes into movies. Just going back to Blair Witch versus Blair Witch nineteen ninety nine versus Blair Witch two thousand sixteen. In the 1999 one, you don't see the Blair Witch at all. You don't even know if it's real, and that's terrifying. And in the 2016 one, you see her in the trailer, and it's just not a good movie. It, like, kill Like, because you're scared the entire time of the new one, um, up until you see her. And then it's like, oh, okay, that's scary, but, like, it's not... Like, the whole horror of Blair Witch, the first one, the directors specifically wouldn't show the audience anything, because you would create this own monster in your head and that's what really makes it scary because individual what I think is scary what I'm going to imagine is different what Jamie would imagine but at the same time it's equally as terrifying for the both of us it's fear of the unknown exactly that's so powerful didn't Cloverfield do that too yes I I don't know if you didn't throw up (laughs) yeah (laughs) that takes us out of the theme section of general thoughts before we get into what we thought about the episode ourselves we have a few segments we like to do First of all, we're going to throw it over to Corey, our WWE analyst, uh, wrestling genius, and god for the WWE Moment of the Week. Oh, that was oh. a little off, a little off pitch, but we'll get through it. So, this was another hard episode. It was about <laughs> aliens again, so I can't really rehash whatever I did last week. So, this is... Okay. Did you do them last week too? No, I, no, last week I did like evil foreigners. Oh yeah, which I could easily do again, but we're not going. We're gonna change it up and do something I've done before. <laughs> <laughs> there was this horrible gimmick called the Mexicals. It was three uh, Mexican American men. They actually I, were Mexican. Yes, they all they, they all were from Mexico. Three Mexican wrestlers. And they, they put them in a group together, because of course... Right. And it's fine so far, you know? Yeah, they it's fine. make huh? nice stories about how, but like, they're powerful, you know, they, they take pride in their culture. For their entrance. They but came they out on... in on lawnmowers. And that could not have happened if the power went out. So, this gimmick <laughs> was the aliens trying to stop the Mexicals. So, we are watching... Great American Bachelor Five. Velocity. We are watching that time that the Mexicals. We're watching Royal Rumble 2006, yes. where Bobby Lashley not only killed Psychosis but later killed Super Crazy and eliminated both from the match. H. Also throwing it back to Corey for the second week in a row for whatever reason. It's tough being this good. <laughs> it is time for the oof, oof moment of the week. Corey hit us with it. So this oof is a bit of a double oof, right? So when the man with the hammer, whose name I don't know, comes back and gets shot, he goes oof and then falls over. Does he actually? I mean, I would. <laughs> <laughs> but then, as 
we all know, yes. whatever when, Corey would do is what everyone else would do. Let's begin with Hammond. your imagination. I would like to imagine when they all walk up and see who they shot, they, they give out a collective oof. <laughs> <laughs> that was the oof moment of the week. The, oof, the mental oof, oof is the strongest. Well, that was the oof <laughs> moment of the week. Alright, now we're going to talk about quality of the episode and what we thought. I thought this was a really great episode. Uh, I thought the acting was really nice. I guess we should start mm-hmm. there. Um, acting. Really good job from everybody. Uh, I've seen the work of some of those guys before, and it's not great, but they really pulled it together, in it my opinion. Pretty, yeah. pretty good for a Twilight Zone episode. Yeah, I really liked um, how when Les was standing on the porch and everyone was kind of like um, surrounding him, he was fiddling with his wedding ring. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, was it? Yeah. Yes. Nice yeah, take. so that just like perfectly like kind of encapsulate like the anxiety he was feeling. Yeah, there's some nice subtleties in the and I'm a I'm a sucker for subtleties in my media. So I mentioned this already, but I'm gonna mention it again. Tommy is the worst. Yes. <laughs> He's the absolute worst. The and second I don't know. Is Steve. No, the second. Really? The second. Yeah. No. Steve no. Wait, no. Steve's, is Steve the Charlie. guy? Charlie's the heavier fellow. Okay, Charlie. The, I meant same. Charlie. I need I, to talk about this. What was he wearing? <laughs> yeah, what he, was he was wearing his take my wife shirt. He was wearing his take my wife to Chili's shirt. It was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm so He upset. created Chili's. It was a Hawaiian oh. shirt, but instead of a floral pattern, it was like a nuclear reactor on every <laughs> single panel. <laughs> It was strange. It was it was avant-garde. So yeah, I give him that. Was, I, I think it was a nuclear reactor. It, it was it something like weird. An hourglass shape, you know. Like, it was. Know. <laughs> it was the shape he wanted his body to be. <laughs> it was the shape of water. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> I wish. Do not mention his worst movie on this. Do not mention. We're not talking about Pacific Rim two. Yeah, we're talking about. Well, he produced that. Yeah, technically that's not even his movie. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, the plot, I thought, was, they, they did a lot with some dumb stuff, which I applaud them they, for. They did. It was a simplistic <laughs> plot, I think. It was nothing crazy. It was enjoyable. It was, it was yeah, no, it was enjoyable. Simplicity Simple is good. Yeah. Yes. I mean, like I think it was kind of layered, too. Yeah. Because for me, Charlie, like, um, kind of personifies propaganda in times of fear. Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. Just with how he pushes all the kind of suspicion yeah. and he uses that to kind of like drive people it, 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 it was like um, he basically tried to put his he tried to make his fears real in some way so right. that he could latch onto that and not really have to handle this fear of the unknown that we kind of talked about earlier uh, okay the general idea is pretty good, right? And some of the specifics were good. But, like, the ch- two driving points were really dumb. Which were The which aliens one? were dumb. I'll give you that. They they listened to this kid who just battled yeah. about comic books. Yes. Yeah, yes. that was exactly. my biggest problem. Yes. And, and just... Okay, you finish and then I will comment on that. And they panicked because their freaking power went out. Right. Like, what? <laughs> well... Okay. You go first. So, I think... If they would have paced it kind of how Jared said, like, if they would have pulled it on a longer, like, format, I think the whole comic book thing would have 
been a little more realistic because it, yeah, it would have been something in the back of people's minds. It planted and, the seed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which this unfortunately didn't really go to because it was kind of just immediately like, oh, the kid's right. But um, yes. I agree with you on the power thing. I wish they would have done like the night color me black if they had that where like the sun was gone and well, had I don't like want anything about that episode ever again. It would be kind of the same. I well, slight counterpoint to the power going out. It was more than that. It was also like. His car started. His his car, oh, yeah, the, the lawnmowers. Yeah. It was more than just That's electricity. It was, was the UFO flyby. It, it was. Yeah. It was also here. It was. It was. If if there was a power UFO outage, EMP. if there was a power outage and the kid was just like aliens and everyone freaked out, <laughs> that'd be one thing. But they did hear something that you know very stereotypically sounded like an alien. Well, that could have been that could have been a transformer exploding. That's the only thing. Like I thought they were gonna. I thought when I first saw this that the whole thing was gonna be that the transformer just exploded and it was like they're going crazy over nothing. That would have been a better ending. Um, but I just think like I don't know. I think that while it's kind of dumb, yeah, I think that there's still some. There's still some good stuff no, out I of agree. it. Oh yeah, I mean it's not terrible. Like, it's, it's just a little like shoddy. It's a little forced, I think. If yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cinematography we talked about. <laughs> it's uh, beautiful. Can, can you say what? How you feel about the cinematography? I loved the cinematography. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Bam, bam, bam. The it'll never stop. I've been doing it for 14 episodes in a row. <laughs> Did you ever not like the cinematography? Yeah. yeah. Last, last week. Last no, I liked it last week. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I the episodes that we don't like, I don't have much to say about Mute, the cinematography. Yeah, like, um, <laughs> but nothing negative to say no. about them. No, just, just no comment. This week we know that no. I love was... being able to see. <laughs> I walk outside and I go, oh, "Nice cinematography." Cinematography's <laughs> <laughs> great. Thanks, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, I was gonna say we know that none of the people on the street are aliens because the camera isn't zooming in on their faces. Of course, true, but at right. the end. But at the end, it panned in on all of them, so they were actually all aliens. Mm. So, uh, I think yeah, the episode... Everyone, didn't it? Yeah. Like, individually. Yeah. I think the episode ended on the note where none of them were aliens. But, if you had to, like, take your bets that if there was one alien... Tommy. Tommy. <laughs> I thought Tommy It was would, not to me! I thought yeah, Tommy would definitely was, be the alien. Tommy should have gone over the floral street. <laughs> You brought all the aliens. Good thinking. <laughs> Moving on to what ripped this off, or what this ripped off. I think that this ripped off, um, oh God, I was just taught Lord of the Flies. Because of the scene where he's walking back and gets shot, it's just like the scene where they are waiting for the monster, and it comes and they all kill it, when it turns out to just be their friend Simon, who has succumbed to the fever he had in began to experience hallucinations. So it's very similar. And I also think that uh, It Comes at Night ripped this off oh, because whoa. of the very clear artsy suspense that both of these things have. And uh, kind of the weird story, too. Like, oh, there's somebody on the inside trying to get us. I think... Hmm, I think... This reminds me of The Mist, in a way, just because the whole, like... They don't have the thing where it's like who did it, but they do have a whole scene where they're all locked in a grocery store, but they want to go out. So they kind of have this like, well, you should go out because you're a terrible person. If something happens to you, no one will miss you. Or it also makes me think of the movie that we watched. Was it the game? 
Gerald's game. No, 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 no. The one where the people are in the like the room and they have to. Oh, circle or something. Circle. Not the circle. There's one that's a really bad movie with Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, and then there's a really good Canadian horror film. Which essentially they have to decide who dies every five minutes, and they kind of go to the same thing. Well, like you were a horrible person. Like you went to jail. Like you deserve to go. And then, kind of, as we've been mentioning through the whole uh, episode, just the the um, Blair Witch Project, yes. the first one, because it's the whole like you don't see what's going on, and there's theories that the movie is actually like it, there was never really a Blair Witch, and it was just that the boys are trying to kill the girl, and like all this stuff yeah. like that. So. I would argue with the mist, though, the whole scene where the crazy woman starts like a religious organization in the grocery store yeah. <laughs> where she like convinces everybody that this was an act from God and they're just mere servants to the monsters now so I thought uh, I also think Fallout kind of rips this off the Fallout series I think there are a lot of moments in some of those vaults where uh, the whole purpose of the vault and the whole backstory of uh, a said vault is um, is about kind of creating a uh, yeah. All, all the vaults are just social experiments. Yeah, they right. are just social experiments. So I think so, that yeah. Fallout... I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that there are a lot of Twilight Zone references into Fallout games, as well as a lot of other pop culture references from old horror stuff, so that uh, would not surprise me. Yeah. I have two things that rip this off. Just right at the end, where everything was going crazy, uh-huh. just Fortnite and PUBG. <laughs> 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 no, but in actuality, I do have one. Um... There's a um, a game that was had a very big cult following in America, but it was like you know bigger in Japan. Right. Um, called Danganronpa. Oh yep. no. Um, I don't. Danganronpa. Yeah. My, my siblings was a weeb. Yeah. It's <laughs> still a weeb. It's a really good it's game. Alive. It's a really good game, but the general premise is there's these kids that are all the best at something. And they get invited to this school called Hope's Peak. And once they get in the school, they all pass out. And when they wake up, they're locked in the school. And then there's this weird bear thing. <laughs> this weird bear oh, thing. Monokuma. That's the game with the purple guy. Yeah, that tries to... No. There, there's a mod of the game with the purple guy. Okay, well... The, there's, you mean the rays and Anyway, those, the, the, the bear is not important in this. <laughs> yeah. The bear is not important in this. Um, the point is that... The goal is, if they want to get out of the school, they have to murder someone else and get away with it. Mm -hmm. Because after every murder, there will be a class trial where they try and figure out who the murderer was. If they get it correct, the person who did the murder is punished. If they get it wrong, everybody else is punished and the murderer goes free. And there's this, like, real, like, very tense, like, everybody's freaking out. Like, are you going to murder me? Like, you know, and when a murder happens, everyone's pointing fingers. Nobody knows who to believe or anything. They have to make, like, um, when they they have people watch the crime scene, they always have two people watch the crime scene. Because if it's one person, that could be the the killer who then modifies the crime scene to hide their crime. So there's, like, all kinds of, like, things like that that play into similar mentalities. Oh yeah, that's what that episode reminded me of. I couldn't think of what it was earlier. It's like every yeah, who done it I've ever seen yeah. ever. Yeah. It's like clue. Yeah. Any any like dumb YouTube social experiment or I was thinking of the Hunger Games or what the Hunger Games basically stole, which was Battle Royale. 
in Japan, great <laughs> movies, but those are kind of the mob mentality killing people thing too. Which I don't think we can. I don't think we can go through this episode of the podcast without mentioning the blatantly obvious of both the Salem Witch Trials and uh, the Red Scare with McCarthyism in the 1950s. Because uh, the the Salem Witch Trials uh, that was a huge that was a huge thing. They basically they basically. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole lot of what like went into it, but it ended up just people getting punished because the finger was pointed at them and they right. didn't have any evidence otherwise. And it became that big mom mentality and then they basically realized, like, whoa, this is... This this is gone. This is gone too far. We need to stop. And, like, we don't see, like... We don't see the aftermath of what happens on Maple Street, but at the end of the episode, it, it's descended into that, his, like, that hysteria, that mania, where it's like... Where it's like, uh... Where it's like anybody, anybody could be the alien, or in the case of Salem, the witch, or whatever, and then it's just, it just brings out the worst in people. And then also, I don't know, I don't know if too much about like, I know, I know how the whole McCarthyism thing went down with, with a bunch of celebrities being accused of communism and basically being like blacklisted and having to prove that they weren't communists, which oh, yeah. is kind of, which is like you which, have, which takes that innocent until proven guilty thing and just throws it in the dumpster. But I know there was also the thing with the Red Scare where it was like, your neighbor could be a communist and somebody else could probably talk about that better than me. (laughs) As you (laughs) stare at Corey. (laughs) Your neighbor could be a communist. (laughs) I mean, you pretty much covered it. Before we go to ratings, let's go to Files and Trivia. I think that Connor has I have, a lot of it. I have two of the three things, so I'm going to start with bios. Yeah, so uh, Connor, Connor hit us with bios. So I'm going to hit the main characters and somebody else who did notable things. So, uh, Claude Akins was Steve Brand, the 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 good guy, basically, the, the rational guy. He, he unfortunately died in 1994, but he did a lot of other TV work, nothing too notable, but he was in one other Twilight Zone, The Little People. That's a good episode. Well, I figure we'll get to it eventually. Yep. Jack Weston as uh, as Charlie, the the main heel in the episode. Like in terms of like accusing people and stuff, he he unfortunately also died in 1996. He appeared in Dirty Dancing. I forget what character he was oh, in that. That's so cool. that was a classic 80s film. I'm sure uh, he had the time of his life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he was one of the angry old guys. Yeah, he he did some other TV work. He he did a lot of stuff, but included guest stars notably on Gunsmoke, Carol Burnett Show, and All in the Family. And he was also in one other Twilight episode, The Barge. Which is garbage. Barry Atwater as Mr. Goodman, less, I think, the first guy that got accused, maybe? Yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. He, unfortunately, is also dead. He died in 1978. He spent three seasons on General Hospital, and he was also uh, a Vulcan in the original Star Trek series. And this was his only appearance in the Twilight Zone, but he made it a good one. And uh, finally, Burt Metcalf as somebody named Don. Not really important to this, but uh, he wrote for MASH from 1975 through 1983, and he was actually nominated for 13 Emmy Awards. So. Wow. Yeah, he's, he's a huge guy. So, so somebody who did good things, like really good things outside of the Twilight Zone was on this, even though he didn't play a huge role. 
This was written by Rod Serling. If you don't know who he is, yikes. <laughs> and it was directed by Don Winston. The first of three Twilight Zones will be seen from him. He did a few Playhouse 60 episodes and some, uh, you know, TV did TV shows here and there in the 60s and 70s and a little bit of the 50s. He has passed away. But, uh, yeah. So, Connor... You have, the, for... you have the, the Kindle one, right? Yes, the... I have the Kindle one. You have IMDb and... Okay. So, trivia. IMDb has a few points of trivia. None too big, but, uh... The location... The location of uh, that was used for Maple Street was actually reused as an abandoned town in a later episode of the Twilight Zone stopover in a quiet town. I think that was season five. Right, yeah, we'll get to we'll begin to that pretty yeah. soon maybe. And that was uh, also directed by the same same director as well. Yeah, and that was the that was the only big one from IMDB. Uh, and from Mark Scott Zickery's The Twilight Zone Companion Volume Two. Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo. The the aliens uh, were actually in costumes, the outfits they were in were costumes used in the 1958, 59 great film, uh, Forbidden Planet. And the final shot of the of the episode with the ship flying away was actually a shot from Forbidden Planet that was turned upside down and played backwards. So that was interesting. Also, uh, Zachary compared the like the the dark like the power of dark mood. Of the episode to the 1936 anti-lynching film Fury. I don't know if anybody knows that, but for the time period, it's anti-lynching, so that whole mob mentality thing. And finally, leading up to this episode, many newspapers misquoted Serling as saying that the episode was a commentary on the fact that minorities always need a scapegoat to explain their own weaknesses, which is a, is a big oof. Yeah, not really what Serling was going for. Yeah, <laughs> and that basically proved his point that prejudice isn't necessarily confined to the Twilight Zone. I did a little bit of research from Unlocking the Door to a Television Classic written by Martin Grahams Jr. This was based off a earlier screenplay written by Rod Serling in 1951. Uh, a... a a large Jewish community really enjoyed this episode, and one of the leading Jewish newspapers in the country at the time did a sit-down interview with Rod uh, promoting the episode. Is there a reason for that? I think they enjoyed uh, the theme of anti-prejudice, considering they right. were not exactly the most popular minority at the time. The saucer was hated. Rod got notable, notable letters from a bunch of people asking him to please stop using Forbidden Planet uh, <laughs> sets. <laughs> they were sick of it. However... Uh, the episode as a whole was uh, adored and loved by the mass, the masses who watched the show at the time. This was used in colleges and other English classes, the actual reel, when it came out. In fact, so many people asked for it to use as an educational, uh, educational tool that CBS stopped giving it out for free and told people to pee off when they asked for it. They said, we can't hand out any more free copies Wait for wait till you can tape it on TV. Sure, I'll have it for educational purposes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they did this again in the 2003 Twilight Zone run, which was led by Forrest Whitaker as the role of Rod Serling in terms of host. Uh, it was pretty much the same exact episode, but instead of aliens, it was the government testing how a neighborhood would react to uh, kind of terrorists, a terrorist attack. 
So the government was the bad guys in that one. Government is always the bad guys. I don't. I think the the, the point of the episode is kind of lost on the public when the bad guys still end up being the terrorists uh, instead of having an episode about hey, you know, judging people's bad. Yeah, definitely. But that's all I got for that. Oh, what I wanted to say: we are not done with Forbidden Planet sets. There's a great character named Robbie the Robot in Forbidden Planet that makes Twilight Zone appearances numerous times as a, as a cast member in a lot of episodes dealing with robots. And uh, for fans of the Fallout series, Robbie the Robot looks exactly like the Protectrons. I don't know if they're in all the Fallout games, but they're in Fallout 4, which I've played. They're definitely there. based yeah, off. Yeah, they're in They're definitely Fallout based games. off Robert or Robbie the Robot. So let's move on to ratings. Finally, um, IMDb gave this a nine, which makes it the fifth highest rated Twilight Zone episode of all time. We went from the fifth lowest rated to the fifth highest in one week. I also gave it a nine. I thought the episode was nearly perfect through the whole thing until the ending. Didn't really dig the aliens. You turn the light out. Didn't really dig the aliens part of it. Thought it was a bit cliche and boring. So I give it a nine. Let's go. We'll do our guests last. So we'll start with Ashley. Oh boy. Um, I'm also gonna give it a nine. I really liked it the first time I saw it. I thought it was really clever. I think it's a really interesting commentary um, on the social like concepts of the time period. Um, I think that it was really nicely done. The acting was great. So the ending was a little corny, and I had a little issue with the pacing, but nothing too serious. So that's why I give it a nine. Alright, Jamie. Boy, I'm gonna give this a 10 out of 10. Wow. Jamie's the first 10. Whoa. Because I feel like this Whoa. is what we're here for Whoa. social commentary, mind boggling, mind boogling. Connor. So uh, I was also going to give this a 10, but in our discussions, Tommy, man. What a good point. Yeah, I just thinking about that. This is still one of my favorite episodes of all time. It was the first one I saw. It's a huge nostalgia factor, but the the whole the whole thing that Corey brought up about the two overarching plot things being one, your power going out, and two, just listening to a kid talk about his comic books. It's just like it made me think too much, so I have to drop it to a nine point five. But still, very very good episode. Corey, I was gonna give it an eight. I'm going to. But now we talked about it, I liked it even less. Oh, oh no! No, I'm gonna give it a seven. It uh, it was a good idea. Just the the two big things we talked about just killed it for me. Bless you. Oh, sorry. I I don't I don't see the hype. Bless you. Oh, and and, and the ending was dumb. So. Jared, before I sneeze again, I am also going to give this a seven. Wow. Um, I think the the pacing issues really pull it down to a, a noticeable degree because it's a it is an episode that I love the concept. I love the I think the acting was great, the cinematography was good. I just really like it just those small issues were noticeable enough that it just ripped me out of taking it seriously and it just I, I could not focus correctly on it because of that. And finally, David. I'm going to give it an eight. I personally didn't find it all that interesting. It's just not my kind of thing, I guess. Although I will 
um, that like the acting was great, as everyone else said, and I thought the concept was interesting enough. Um, unlike some what other people said, I actually found the ending the most interesting part because the aliens they were just sitting there, and the one guy basically said, "Yeah, all you have to do is turn off the power and watch what happens." Like that's all they did. Yeah. So it just goes to show what little it takes to just throw people into. Which goes back to that commentary on the social commentary and stuff that everyone was talking about before. Um, the part that ruined it the most for me, I guess, was the very beginning with the whole the whole setup to the premise with the comic books and them just so quickly accepting it. It just didn't make sense to me. And I'll admit, I was actually expecting to see some kind of alien monster. <laughs> so. All right. Let's move on to the preview of next week. Uh, normally, this is where we'd be signing off for the season, for the semester, oh, uh, and then telling everybody we're coming back after the break. However, I think the plan going forward is that we're going to keep a weekly or bi-weekly schedule, depending on how busy everyone will be with work, slash uh, any projects they have over the summer. Uh, and we're going to just record over Discord, so quality may go down a tiny bit, but... Um, I'd rather have episodes churning out rather than waiting a whole three months of kind of nothing. So it's been a little bit of a of a break from season four episodes. <laughs> oh no! I, think, I know. I know. I'm okay with signing off for the season. <laughs> we got to get through them. So uh, I think the last one we watched was maybe a month ago. Something like that. Maybe yeah. a little more. It wasn't that. Bad. No, it wasn't that long ago, I don't believe. Which one was it? It was it the was... one where he buried his wife in the basement. Oh, yeah. It was, oh, yeah, that was good. Uh, it was pretty good. Season four. Yeah, I think exhibit. it was maybe four episodes ago, so yeah, that would have put it at at like a month and two weeks. So yeah. it's been it's been a little bit. But uh, this episode is gonna be called The Thirty Fathom Grave. It's season four, episode two. Uh Corey is our champion, so he goes last. Can we watch this one? Uh, I have watched this one. Has anyone else watched this one? Did I think I, I told think you I to watch it. I, th I watched it with your family, I believe. No, we did not watch it with my family. I, th I believe I watched it, though, so... Well, Ashley is out. out of the running again, sadly. Um, but I am also out of the running, as I've seen a lot of these episodes. You've been out... You've never been in the running. I will never be in the running. <laughs> <laughs> Defending champ, Corey. So, Connor and Jamie. Uh, see if you can overthrow him here. Here we go. Incident 100 miles off the coast of Guadalcanal. Guadalcanal. Oh, World War II. Well, no, it's Guadalcanal. 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 Time, the present. <laughs> so, for us, the past. The United States naval destroyer on what has been a most uneventful cruise. In a moment, they're going to send a man down 30 fathoms and check on a noisemaker. Someone or something tapping on metal. You may or may not read the results in a naval report because Captain Beecham, terrible name, and his crew has have just set a course that will lead this ship and everyone on it into the Twilight Zone. Oof, this episode. Connor's already got his hand raised. <laughs> so, Connor. So, ahead. uh, so was a huge naval battle in World War II, so there's going to be people on a ship who didn't die when their ship sank in World War II. And they're just kind of like chilling down there, and like get me out of here. <laughs> All uh, right, sure. Uh, Jamie, sea monsters. 
Sea monsters. <laughs> Shape of Water. I was gonna say we're just watching water. Shape of Water. <laughs> and Corey and Arnold. Finally, Corey V. Okay. <laughs> so we're on boats, you see. Short <laughs> words. We're on. There it is. There we <laughs> are. So you guys like making my life hell. He's trying to tell about the boat. We are on a boat. Do you know who is a boat? A wrestler named Tugboat. Tugboat. He is a boat. There will probably be dead men involved. You know who's a dead man? The Undertaker. <laughs> so we are watching The Undertaker versus Tugboat from an episode of Superstars in 1991. Corey, you're a blessing. I just want you to know that. Why win? Read the end of this and tell me who wins out of Corey or Connor. Because it's so close. Who's going to tell the tale? It's so close. Just the last paragraph. Yeah, no. Oh, Lord, it's so close. (laughs) So, yeah, while Ashley's reading that, probably a good time to talk about this. We will be taking, like, a one-week break so I can edit the last two episodes and get those bad boys out of there. And then we'll be back. We're going to do a test thing on Discord. This is really close between Corey and Connor. I kind (laughs) of want to go with Corey. I have to go with Corey. (laughs) 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 Connor. the the slight thing, like one word that Connor Well, yeah, no, Connor Connor had Uh, very good points, but Corey brought up depth. Raining. Defending. I'm not saying oof next week. <laughs> salty boy. Yes, I am salty. salty boy. Well, like the uh, no one else is salty. The sea. The, the, the sea. sea. The tugboats are in. All right. So, um, yeah, we talked a little bit about our plan going forward this summer. Uh, we. This is the end of season two. And uh, we're going to do two questions of the week. Oh, boy. First, the easy one. What is the weirdest street name ever? Everyone can participate in this one. The second one is maybe a little easier for the people who have done the podcast for a while. There is there's a road in my hometown that is called Street Road. It's <laughs> not, really? Yes. I'm pretty sure it's named after a person, but it is called Street Road. Can I go after Connor? Yeah, <laughs> so, in my hometown, there is a street called A Street... So, God forbid you have to order pizza from there, and you the guy goes, where do you live? And you go, A Street, and he goes, no way! Like A, B, C, D, E. How can that be? They have that in Washington, D.C., too. They have all the streets are lettered there. A Street. Well, uh... Uh, Two answers. One's a serious answer, but, um... There's a street in my hometown called uh, Camp Betty Washington, which is just a mouthful. Camp Betty Washington Street? Camp Betty Washington. That's lame to you. Or just Camp Betty Washington. I've only ever refer- heard it referred to as just Camp You don't Betty need Washington. to add whatever else <laughs> yeah. it is. Is there really going to be anything else with that? I don't and, know. Um, oh, I, oh, I have one. Okay. There's um, there's a street on the way to this summer camp I went to when I was a kid. It's called Heckenmover Road. Heckenmover <laughs> 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 Road. Interesting. Right. Well, it, I live near a pretty little town called uh, Conchahawken. Oh god, Conchahawken. And in Conchahawken is a right next to it is Swedesford, which is a which was originally a small community of Swedish people, and they have Viking Road, which I is not super goofy, but it's awesome. awesome. Yeah, Viking Road is awesome. And not much of a street, but kind of a weird PA city thing. Intercourse PA leads yeah. to Joy yeah. PA. But you have no no it no. But don't so, you have to go through Blue Ball PA? Yeah, you do. <laughs> I, I, so, okay, so I don't have a good street name, but I do have, 
I went to a high school in oh. Boiling Springs. Uh. Yeah, you know this. <laughs> um, Boiling Springs, they decided to get a little weird with their mascot. Right? Oh, no. Um, we were the Boiling Springs Bubblers. Uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah, like, we would go everywhere. We actually... We didn't have, like, an actual mascot for a while, but then I think, like, my junior or senior year, they got a girl to wear basically, like, a, a oh, no. like one of those morph suits or whatever, and they were, like, our school colors, yellow and purple, and then they just tied clear balloons to her and just had her run around in the stands. So, like, I... Man, my school was weird. <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, last question. This kind of goes for, no offense, guests, but... Your favorite episode of the Twilight Zone you've watched through uh, the two seasons we've done of uh, the Rod Squad so far? Five characters. No doubt. No doubt? That, that twist just was like, huh. Do you have the list? Uh, I do have the list. You for me, the list. For me, it is a mix of a passage for Trumpet and uh, Come Wander With Me were my favorite two we've watched so far. Come Wander With Me. No doubt. I thought you were going to say Ransom Grew and I was going to have to disown you. Jamie, that, that what about you? Out of the, you've only watched like four, maybe Which five at this video. point? Yeah. Yeah, I think you've watched five of us now. Yeah. Um, what was the question? What is favorite your favorite episode episode episode? so far? Oh, um... Hmm. I really liked... Um, I think Man in the Bottle, probably. And Ashley? Oh, I'm going to have to go with as well, uh, Come Wander With Me. I just really, really enjoyed that episode. Sweet. That was like the first good episode we did, so it was like, it was a relief after Mind the Matter. Where did it come in? So, uh, that's that it back. for us. <laughs> nope. Quick hiatus for about a week, and then we'll be back with you. Uh, although I imagine a few of you guys might sound a little robotic over the, uh, over the computer, but... It's, it's not as bad as you. No, it's not. No, nowhere. It'll be really. If anything, some some people might sound better. So, thank you guys for listening to the Rod Squad, and then we will see you next time for the Thirty Fathom Grave, or whatever the episode's called.